Hi, everyone, and welcome to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. We're back, guys. Yes, we were gone for a little while due to some technical issues, but we were still recording amazing episodes for you, and I'm happy we can share those with you now. And here's what I learned. Sometimes you just need to hire a professional because do-it-yourself videos on YouTube aren't for everyone, okay? Anyway, August 1st through the 7th was World Breastfeeding Week and PAHO, together with the WHO, released a terrific campaign promoting breastfeeding and its benefits. Today's guest, Dr. Kersha Pennicott, is a pediatrician and global health activist. She is also working towards becoming a certified lactation consultant. So whether you are a new mom or an experienced mom, get ready to take some notes as Dr. Pennicott shares with us some pearls about breastfeeding. Hi, Dr. Pennicott. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to have this conversation and talk about this really important topic. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, like I said, my name is Dr. Pennicott. I am from New York. Actually, I'm the daughter of two Jamaican immigrants. Both my parents uh, came to America when they were, um, when they were already adults, uh, after they got married, basically. And they settled in New York and we kind of were there ever since. Um, and, you know, I love that this podcast is sort of focused on the Caribbean, uh, you know, diaspora and, you know, in the islands there. I just, I love my Caribbean heritage. I'm so proud to be Jamaican. I call myself Jamaican. I'm like, I know I was born here, but, you know, I claim it. <laughs> no, you are Jamaican. Both right. parents. I mean, you, you're back and forth all the time. Exactly. And- you know, I was lucky because my parents took me there from, I think the first time I went was when I was two. Um, and we've been back pretty much every couple of years and got to know my family there and I still have family there. Um, so it's just a beautiful island, great food, great culture. Um, and, you know, we have the saying, you know, we little but we talawa. So, we, you know, we're a small <laughs> island, but we do big things. So I'm always, you know, super proud uh, to boast my heritage. Um, in terms of my training, uh, so I'm a board certified pediatrician. I mean, what that means for, and I'm also a pediatric hospitalist, and I'll break down what that means. So a pediatrician is a doctor that takes care of um, anyone from birth uh, up to the age of 21. And a pediatric hospitalist um, is someone who specifically only takes care of that age group within the hospital. So I don't work in clinics um, or anything like that. I take care of sicker children who get admitted to the hospital. Um, So in terms of my trainings, I did four years of college. Then I did uh, four years of medical school at Morehouse School of Medicine. Um, Then I did three years of pediatric residency that was back in New York City. And then I did something that was relatively new, which was a pediatric hospitalist fellowship. And I did that here um, in Miami, where I'm still located. Um, And so now I'm an attending and I work in South Florida. Um, And so I love being a pediatrician. And, you know, of course, part of what we do as a hospitalist is we take care of a lot of babies in the nursery. Um, right after they're born. And so I wanted to work a little bit more on my knowledge with my breastfeeding skills. I'm also working towards getting an IBCLC. And that's sort of an alphabet soup. But basically what that it stands for is the International Board uh, Certified Lactation Consultant. So that's sort of another certification. You have some training that you do for that. You take an exam um, and it's extra skills related specifically to breastfeeding. 
So we are definitely going to get the best possible information on breastfeeding from you today. So I'm excited. So tell us what are some of the benefits of breastfeeding? Yeah, so breastfeeding is so amazing. I mean, you know, one of the first things I always say is it's free, which is great, right? Yeah. Your body makes it and your, you know, the mom's body makes breast milk that's specifically tailored to her baby. So what does that mean? That means that, um, you know, babies when they're born don't really have an immune system just yet. So the mom's uh, body can passively pass on antibodies, which are protective proteins that can help babies um, uh, protect them from infections. So breastfed babies are shown through research to have less risk of developing asthma, less risk of developing type 1 diabetes. Um, they have um, less chances of getting ear infections. We all know, especially in that first year of life, right? Babies tend to get sick a lot. And so uh, breastfed babies have less risk of getting those viral infections, those ear infections. Um, and also, especially for our premature babies, there's a specific um, condition that's very common in premature babies. It's very deadly called necrotizing enterocolitis. And it's a very long word. Basically what it means is that you have part of the intestines that sometimes can die within a baby. Um, and it can be caused by a bacterial infection or just being super early. Um, and so breast uh, milk actually helps to protect against that. So there's so many benefits in terms of specifically the health of a child and also for the health of the mother. So for the mom, it can help her to uh, lose some of that uh, pregnancy weight faster, which I know a lot of moms will like that. Um, it also helps to reduce the risk of breast cancer and ovarian cancer as well. Um, and including in addition to many other things, but those are just some of the highlights. Oh, terrific. So there's definitely benefits for both mom and the baby. So mm -hmm. that's probably one of the biggest things for new moms, especially. So tell us, does mom's diet impact the production or even the quality of their breast milk? Yeah. So, you know, what mom is eating and drinking is going to be really important for her baby. So for one, in terms of the production, mom has to make sure that she's drinking enough water. Um, especially if you think about being in, on you know, the islands where it's very, very hot. In general, you need to be drinking more water than someone who lives somewhere that's very cold because you're, you're sweating and you're losing fluids that way. Um, so in general, you should be drinking a little bit more water, but especially when you're, you need to hydrate yourself and then you need enough fluid to make milk for your baby. Mm -hmm. So uh, breastfeeding moms definitely need to drink uh, more water. And basically, you know, I don't like to say a specific cup amount because depending on the size of the mom or is she breastfeeding triplets or twins, you know, the amount will vary. But basically your urine should be dilute. You shouldn't have dark concentrated, uh, dark yellow urine. Um, and so also it's important that uh, moms try to eat as balanced of a diet as possible um, in order to, you know, provide the best nutrients for the child. And they want to have at least about 500 extra calories um, a day that they're eating. Now, 500 calories a day may seem like a lot, but it's actually not, right? So yeah. sometimes, depending on what you're eating, you know, you might eat like a, a sweet dessert, which is not <laughs> probably the best thing, but that might have like 800 calories versus you might have um, some avocados, or we in Jamaica call them pears. Um, you might have some of that on, you know, a piece of whole wheat toast. That's an excellent, you know, addition to your diet because that's giving you healthy fats. You know, the whole grain toast is giving you uh, fiber. So, you know, when we say extra calories, you got to also think about what the calories are coming from. Right. You want to try mm -hmm. to make sure those are healthy as well. Um, if moms are vegan mm -hmm. or if they are uh, vegetarian, they 
might be more at risk of having milk that is less in vitamin B12. And B12 is very important for the neurological development of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, when I say neurological, I mean uh, in terms of the brain and you know how that develops. So that's really important for a child to get um, enough B12. So if a mom is vegan, it is recommended that she uh, does a vitamin B12 supplement to make sure okay. that she um, has enough. Um, other things in terms of diet that parents uh, should be aware of is caffeine is generally okay. I know sometimes you know moms might worry about that. As long as you're not drinking excessive amounts of caffeine, then your baby should be fine. So really, you know, for example, if a mom's drinking coffee, I would say you know try to limit it to like two cups a day, not really going more than that. Um, and remember that caffeine comes in different sources. So it could be coffee, it could be sodas, sodas. energy drinks you know, tea has caffeine. Um, so making sure that the total amount that you're taking in is not uh, really more than like I would say about two to three cups of coffee a day, the equivalent of that um, should be fine. The last two things that I'll mention when it comes to diet are um, things like vitamin D. And vitamin D we actually get from the sun. A lot of that we get from the sun. You can also, a lot of foods are fortified with it. But um, studies have showed that breast milk does not have an adequate an- amount of vitamin D really for anyone in general. So uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, recommends that babies get supplemented with vitamin D drops and the pediatrician knows that and will handle that. So it's not, you know, parents don't have to worry about that. And also most breastfed babies uh, will get supplemented with iron or about four month age. Uh, So again, that's not something that mom has to worry about remembering. Your pediatrician has got that all covered, but just so that they're aware. In general, we think that breast milk is gonna be a holistic, meal for the baby, right? Mm -hmm. Are there any cases where moms should not breastfeed? So you're absolutely right that breast milk is really the complete nutrition that's needed for a child. Um, I'll just go over the recommendations for breastfeeding. So the World Health Organization, which covers everywhere outside of uh, the U.S. Because I'll, I'll, I'll make a caveat, you know, the U.S. has certain recommendations and the World Health Organization has some recommendations. So I'll go by the World Health Organization since we're talking about the Caribbean. Um, they recommend breastfeeding ex- uh, for at least, um, if you can, up to two years, if you want, um, but at least exclusively for six months going on to a year. Um, and starting at six months, adding in complementary foods. Um, so those would be like baby foods and things like that. Um, and so situations where a mom should not breastfeed are relatively rare. Um, one of the things um, in the United States where we say that a mom should not breastfeed is when it comes to uh, HIV. Um, and that's because in the U.S., you know, we have options for formula and other things like that. So in the U.S., if you have HIV, um, even if you're well controlled on your medications, it's not recommended that you breastfeed at all. Um, there are certain places in the world where the resources are not there, where moms are not able to get any kind of formula, or you know they might not have access to safe water. Um, you know those certain areas in the world. Typically, that's not the Caribbean because the Caribbean is actually fairly well established. Some people may not know that, but you know. So I'm not really including the Caribbean in that, but there are places in the world where if a mom um, has HIV and is well controlled on medications. Um, she can breastfeed if there's really no other options is basically what we're saying. Mm-hmm. So certain parts of the world where there's no safe water, um, where there's n- no formula whatsoever available, then of course, 
there really is no other options in those specific cases you know obviously it's allowed because there's no other option but in the caribbean i would also extend the u.s recommendations to the caribbean as well because you know generally speaking formula um, is often available um, so that's one of the major um, areas where we don't recommend that moms breastfeed um, if mom is uh, has cancer um, and is going through chemotherapy, we also recommend that the mother does not breastfeed at all, no matter where she lives in the world. Because um, those um, chemotherapy drugs, those anti-cancer drugs are, will be toxic to the child. Um, there are other medications, again, you know, always, that's why you follow with your pediatrician, they will go over the mom's history and any medications that she's on specifically. Um, other instances where it's not recommended to breastfeed if mom unfortunately uh, uses illicit drugs like cocaine, um, those things, you know, are, are not recommended. Again, a special caveat is that if mom is in a supervised uh, narcotics uh, methadone program, again, these are very specific things. So most women, it will not apply to you. Mm -hmm. um, if she's negative for HIV and she's otherwise negative for illicit drugs and is getting treatment from that program, then it might be possible for her to breastfeed. Okay. So what about um, cigarettes or if mom uses... Uh... Uh, e-cigarettes, for instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, of course, way more common um, is, is we might run across moms who, who cigarettes smoke. Um, and so what we say is that, yes, technically mothers can still breastfeed um, okay. if they are a smoker, but we strongly recommend quitting um, mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. And so, um, A, cigarettes are harmful to the mother, right? They can cause cancer. They, you know, can lead to many... Uh, negative health effects. And for the baby, it can increase the risk of something called SIDS. And SIDS stands for an acronym, which means sudden infant death syndrome. Um, basically, that's where we, often a caregiver will find a previously healthy baby um, has passed away um, unexpectedly. So smoking increases uh, that risk. Um, smoking also can, secondhand smoke is often more damaging than firsthand smoke. So you can imagine the baby's fresh lungs can become severely damaged through the smoke. So we strongly recommend that all moms who, if they are smoking um, any form of things, even if uh, you know, they're smoking marijuana, to really try to cut down and or quit. And you know, uh, there are many things out there that can help moms. So there's the patch, there's, there's many methods um, to help uh, quit smoking. And we strongly recommend that she would reach out to her primary, the mother's doctor for mm -hmm. assistance um, in quitting. Um, if the mom, you know, has a hard time or is on the process to quitting, some of the things to keep in mind is to, you know, make sure that you do not smoke right before you plan to breastfeed, trying to change clothes, making sure you don't smoke in the house, um, showering, you know, before uh, or after you smoke. Um, those are some things that can at least help to start to decrease the risk while you're on the journey to try to quit. Okay. And we always hear about this idea of pumping and dumping. And I know some people recommend doing that if you do have to smoke pump and dump first. What exactly is that pumping and dumping? Tell us about that. Right. So pumping and dumping basically means that, you know, if mom has some sort of exposure, so it might be to alcohol, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. Okay. Or even if mom is going through surgery and is getting um, some anesthesia, sometimes they might hear the recommendation to pump their milk and then dump it in a way to kind of get rid of the contaminant um, from their milk. Um, but 
this is not really something that's recommended. It, honestly, what it does is it just wastes perfectly fine milk. I don't recommend that mothers um, pump and dump um, for most uh, circumstances. Now, again, if for some reason she took cocaine or something like that, then yeah, you know, may, you know, until she is able to get clear of that, she shouldn't be given the breast milk. But in general, there's often very little reason to pump and dump milk. Um, I think it sort of has become a blanket statement in the culture. And so people just say, yeah. oh, just, just pump and dump. And really what you're doing is you're just wasting valuable milk. Um, in terms of, and I'll give an example with alcohol use. So alcohol um, intake and breastfeeding mothers can still breastfeed. Um, if they consume alcohol. Um, what we recommend is that, of course, that mothers should not overindulge in alcohol. A, it can, you know, have health effects for the mother. Um, it, you know, if the mother is um, drunk, for example, you, you know, you can't take care of a child while you're drunk. You know, you might be unstable on your feet. You might have memory loss. So if a mother has overindulged, she really needs another sober individual to take care of the child. So there's that. Um, but if a mother has like a glass of wine or, you know, one beer or something like that, she could still breastfeed the child directly from the breast or if she's pumping, um, she can still get that milk. Um, pumping and dumping doesn't reduce the amount of alcohol that's present in the milk more quickly. Okay. Um, so it's really based on how much alcohol is still left in the mother's bloodstream. So even if you pump, pump, pump and you're getting rid of all that milk, it still is not going to affect the alcohol level in your bloodstream. And that's what impacting the level of alcohol in the milk. So if you've had one drink, generally the studies show that that will still show up in the milk for about two to three hours after you've uh, consumed the drink. Um, so whether you, you pump or not, it's really not going to affect that. Wow, so that sounds great, great information. So we're in coronavirus times, right? And everybody's very concerned about their own health and their baby's health. So tell us a little bit about what are some of the steps moms should take to prevent the spread of coronavirus um, with their baby. Right. So, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of, you know, positive mothers mm -hmm. who have um, negative babies or, you know, babies who aren't quite positive yet. And so breastfeeding is something that's really come up as a a look a point of research basically and even though obviously coronavirus has not been around that long we've been you know working very diligently to find out as much as we can so what we know so far is that it doesn't seem that coronavirus is transmitted through milk to the child from a positive mother to a baby so that's good news so far and again you know as we get more information things can change but as, as of you know today what we know is the studies don't support that what studies have shown is from positive mothers who had coronavirus or are currently infected, their milk shows that they are, shows presence of antibodies to coronavirus. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge benefit and yeah. actually a reason to breastfeed. And it's really quite cool um, that we've been able to identify this. So if a mom is positive with coronavirus, uh, still a recommendation is to continue to breastfeed because the benefits are very overwhelming. Um, and what she can do to help minimize the risk of the child getting coronavirus is a lot of the same basics that most people have probably been hearing about since this began. Washing your hands thoroughly with soap and water um, for at least 20 to 30 seconds before you, excuse me, before you touch your child. Uh, wearing a mask while you are direct breastfeeding. Um, 
if you're pumping, making sure that you wash your hands, of course, before touching any of the pump parts and washing any of the pump or bottle parts in warm, soapy water. This is a great time to enlist a healthy family member as well. The healthy family member can wash all of those things for you. Um, if the mom is having a lot of symptoms, she can pump and then give the milk to the healthy caregiver and the healthy caregiver can feed the child in another room. Because as we know with coronavirus, there's um, a spectrum of how sick people can be. Right. So some moms might be completely asymptomatic um, and they may want to feed directly on the breast the entire time. That's where we say hand washing, wearing the mask, um, and you know you can still directly feed your child. Um, if the mom is very sick or very ill, she might even be in the hospital, um, that's where we recommend um, pumping and then offering the milk to the child. Um, the, if the mother's in the hospital, that might be more challenging in order for the healthy caregiver to get the milk. So really that's gonna be depend on the local logistics of wherever they are. But if she's having symptoms like she doesn't need to go to the hospital, but she's in the home, that's where I'd recommend really uh, pumping and allowing the milk to be given by a healthy caregiver. If the baby is sleeping in the same room as the parents who's sick, um, then we recommend that the bassinet or the crib be at least six feet distance. So yeah. same social distancing, actually, when you're not directly feeding within the uh, room. Awesome. Great information. And that's good to know about those antibodies being produced and available in breast milk, because that will benefit babies for a while now, now that we know that the antibodies are being kept in the blood for a long time with this coronavirus. So we're segueing into our Mythbuster segment. And this is a favorite for most people. They like to hear about some of the myths that go through the Caribbean. And um, a lot of these are passed down from grandparents, parents. So they're constantly right. hearing them. So we want to bust some of those myths associated with breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. One of them that I hear all the time is that direct breastfeeding um, is the same, it has the same benefits as if I'm pumping. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, uh, generally, I would say that that is true. So nutritionally, they're the same benefits, right? It's the same mm -hmm. milk that's getting into your child. Um, some moms, you know, may choose to pump exclusively for whatever reasons. Maybe they have to go back to work uh, very quickly, or maybe they have multiples, so they have twins or triplets. Um, and they just find logistically it's easier just to exclusively pump and have people, you know, bottle feed each child. Um, so for whatever reason mom chooses to pump, pumping is breastfeeding too. That's what I like to tell moms. Um, so you're definitely getting the same um, benefits um, in terms of nutrition. Um, you might say that with direct breastfeeding, perhaps there's more skin to skin because the baby is directly, you know, latched onto the breast. And so the bonding, you know, benefits that you get from that, you might say that there's maybe a little bit more with direct breastfeeding. Um, but, you know, if a mom wanted to replicate that, she could at least try, you know, remove her top when she's feeding with the bottle so that the baby has some skin to skin time while she's getting milk from the bottle. That's a way that a pumping mom could help to try to replicate that. Um, and skin to skin is not related to mom. If, you know, if the dad or whoever the other partner is wants to, you know, uh, they can be shirtless and have the baby uh, not just have on a diaper and be skin to skin while they're feeding the baby with the bottle. That's cool too. Um, but I, you know, sometimes moms who um, are directly pumping might feel like maybe, oh, well, I'm not doing as much or I'm not doing as much as that other mom who's directly breastfeeding. And I never want moms to feel like less than just because they're exclusively yeah. pumping. Yeah. What about the process of breastfeeding for that actual latching on? Is it painful? 
I know a lot of new moms are concerned that they don't want to go through that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, is it actually painful for them to breastfeed directly or pumping? So directly breastfeeding can be painful, um, often if the latch is incorrect. Um, and so breastfeeding when done correctly should not be painful. Um, but sometimes it can be uh, for a number of different reasons. So in terms of the latch, what we really want is for the baby to have a very deep latch, which means that there's a lot of the nipple and the areola, which is the areola is sort of the dark uh, area around the nipple to be inside the baby's mouth because you don't want the nipple um, to get basically squished between the baby's Mm -hmm. either gums or lips or hard palate. Um, And the hard palate is just the roof of the mouth. So if everyone were to right now stop and take their tongue and and feel the top of their, um, the roof of their mouth, they know that that's hard. And if they go further back, there's a softer area back there. That's where we want the nipple to be on the soft palate so that when the baby is, is sucking and extracting the milk, um, it's not painful because the nipple is in a protected area. Um, the baby's not chomping down <laughs> on, on the nipple. Um, and the same when people are wondering, like, well, how can I still breastfeed when my baby develops teeth? And, you know, some baby develop teeth, you know, at five months or six months. Again, if you have the correct latch, the nipple is nowhere near the teeth. So it's not like, you know, you're getting, uh, the nipple shouldn't be chewed on or chomped on. Those are incorrect latches. And that's where it's really helpful for a parent to either see their pediatrician or if there's a lactation consultant available, or if there's a family member who's experienced with breastfeeding, they can help um, you know, correct those things. Other things that might cause pain during breastfeeding are if um, a mom has a plugged duct. Um, and what that means is basically when you think about the breast, you have glands, mammary glands in the breast that produce the milk. That's where the milk is produced. And then there are basically tubes that basically drain the milk out to the nipple and then the milk of course comes out through the nipple. Um, mm-hmm. If one of those ducts, it's kind of like plumbing if you think about it, if one of those ducts gets clogged, sometimes they get clogged with um, milk that's sort of been just resting there. And so, you know, the milk isn't able to flow. Um, that can get kind of painful. They might have, uh, it might be tender on the breast. You might get a warm area on the breast. You might get some swelling. Um, those are things that can happen. But again, that's not necessarily routine, but it can certainly happen. And that's where the mom would be getting support from her physician um, to help remedy those issues. Right. But I don't want moms to say, I'm not going to breastfeed because I'm worried. It's yeah. Hurt. Because if you think about it, you're not going to say, I'm not going to get pregnant because I don't want to give birth, right? We all want to <laughs> take that little one. So you're going to give birth. So I, I strongly encourage, mamas are so strong. I mean, They've been through the toughest part, which is really right, the, the birthing process. process. You can do this. Every time you breastfeed, it should not be painful. Um, once you get help and you get that latch down correct, that's where you're going to be on the road to success. Um, and I like to say that breastfeeding, yes, it's natural, but it doesn't mean that the skills come naturally. The baby's got to learn, the mom's got to learn, and they got to learn how to work as a team together. Right. Right. So... There's a lot of concern about breastfeed, um, breast milk being stored, especially in the Caribbean, you know, with the hotter temperatures and stuff. Can we actually store our breast milk? Um, and for how long is that possible? Yeah, so that is um, a great question. And breast milk can absolutely be stored. Um, and so, so let's talk about pumping. So generally, you're going to get the milk out by pumping. But some moms are able to even hand express um, a significant amount of milk. And if you are in an area where the 
ambient temperature of the room is about 77 degrees Fahrenheit or 25 degrees Celsius um, or colder, uh, these recommendations apply. So if the milk is freshly expressed or pumped, it can technically last on the countertop for up to four hours. Now, mind you, I told you the temperature range of 77 degrees Fahrenheit or 25 degrees Celsius or colder. So if you are in, you know, Jamaica and it's 90 degrees and you don't have any AC, you're not going to leave that milk out for four hours, right? You Absolutely. generally would want to try to put it away in, either in the fridge or the freezer um, as quickly as possible. So for the refrigerator, freshly pumped milk usually is good for about up to four days. Um, and in the freezer, you know, that can last, you know, up to a year or more. Um, we like to say using it within the first six months is best, although you can certainly use up to a year and beyond. Um, what you want to do is you really want to defrost the milk. Um, if, if you've had milk that's been in the freezer for over a year, you can defrost it. And literally, you can do what we call the sniff test. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you will smell the milk. And if it smells totally fine, then it's okay uh, to give to your baby. Um, and what I will say is that if you've had uh, milk that's been thawed out, we don't recommend refreezing that milk. Um, and if you've had milk that you've given your baby and there's some that the baby didn't finish, um, you can, you know, either put that back in the fridge and you can use it within the next couple of hours to give, you know, try and see if the baby wants to take what's left of that. Um, and the other thing I'll recommend is that if moms um, have babies that are staying either at a daycare or, you know, a neighbor or someone is watching them, I would give them um, frozen milk and small, freeze the milk in smaller quantities if you can. So for example, if you freeze, um, milk in 10 ounce quantities that's a huge amount mm -hmm. um, and then you defrost it and send it off in just a 10 ounce um, thing often most babies will not take that amount and a lot of places will dump out the rest of the milk after the baby's done but if you freeze them in say two ounce um, increments that's going to be a lot better because then they can take you know however much they want at a time it's less likely that you're going to waste um, the excess milk Terrific. Great advice. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pennicott. We appreciate all of your great knowledge on breastfeeding and especially in some of the information you gave us on coronavirus and breastfeeding. So I know a lot of folks are going to want to get some more information and follow you. So tell us where they can find you. What are your handles? And we'll all put this in the show notes as well, but I just want to let you get an opportunity to tell them. Perfect. And thank you again for this opportunity. Um, I talk about all things pediatrics and including uh, breastfeeding on my Instagram page. And that is at Dr. Dr. with the period, Pennicott, which is my last name. So it's P-E-N-N-I-C-O-T-T. -T. Um, so you can find me there. Um, I'm on there fairly often. Um, and then I have my baby YouTube channel. It's growing. <laughs> um, and uh, literally, if you just go to YouTube and you type in my name, again, Dr. So D-R-P-E-N-N-I-C-O-T-T -T into YouTube, you'll be able to find me there. Um, and I know I think you'll be able to maybe include the link in the show notes uh, for them to kind of click on that. That might be easy as well. Absolutely. I'll include that in the show notes and they'll also have access to that from our website. So great place for you to go to get all information, pediatrics, and definitely chat with Dr. Pennicott. If you enjoyed this episode, follow RX Rounds on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button 
rate, comment, and review this podcast. And we'll see you next round on RX Rounds.